Thank you so much for joining us once again as we uh, continue in our series thinking about how we can live for Jesus in lockdown and well beyond, how we can live an unrestricted faith. Uh, and so far we've examined from Matthew 28, the unrestricted commission, how those of us who, who follow Jesus have been given, given this limitless commission to go and make disciples in the whole world. Uh, last week, Jamie Dill helped us to appreciate the unrestricted Bible, uh, looking at verses from Second Second Timothy three, um, which and of course it's in the Bible where we see the wonderful, joyous message of salvation and, and how we are to continue on in the faith. And this week we're going to take some time to consider uh, the unrestricted gospel, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, which some of us will already follow that message that we will already have given our lives to Jesus. And so we know that this message is what we are then commissioned to go and share, this good news message. Uh, Jesus, when he was ascending into heaven, as it, speaking to his disciples, in Acts 1 verse 8, we're told very clearly, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We are Jesus' witnesses on earth, and this good news gospel is what we are witnesses to, we're to show and to share this good news wherever we are, wherever we go. Um, but I'm keenly aware that there may be many watching this morning uh, and maybe you haven't committed your life to him. Uh, maybe you've been around church for a while and, and you appreciate the community that you find here and, and the other uh, joys of being part of a church family. But, but you wouldn't or maybe couldn't say that you have surrendered your whole life to Jesus. Uh, you might have heard the gospel message, but wouldn't say that you've responded to it before. Or maybe this is your first real experience of church and you've, in a sense, stumbled across us or been invited by someone to join us this morning. And therefore, you maybe haven't heard this good news message before, which is the central truth of Christianity. Or maybe even you've been a Christian for a substantial amount of time. Uh, and sometimes I think we can be lulled into a sense of almost familiarity with this message. Uh, maybe it's been a long time since you've had to consciously share the gospel with someone or, or even taken much time to consider the joy of this gospel, the joy of your salvation. Maybe you feel like you're just drifting in your faith uh, without that sense of urgency or power that we read about in God's word. Uh, and my prayer for us this morning, for you this morning, is an echo of David's words from Psalm 51 in verse 12, where he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. The joy of your salvation. If you're a Christian this morning, let's recapture the wonder of our salvation. Let's appreciate once more the impact that the gospel has, that it is not a one-time decision, but it is, it is a, a life that we live, uh, and it is this glorious good news that we live every single day. Uh, indeed, as I've heard it said somewhere else, uh, that we should preach the gospel to ourselves every day, um, reminding ourselves that we're saved by this loving, good God, that he has called us to live a life of following him now and in a life for in all eternity with him. We are forgiven, we're restored, we're showered with grace and mercy, we're given his Holy Spirit to empower us, to live a life glorifying him, sharing this wonderful good news wherever he's placed us. This is gospel living, everyday gospel living. And so however you hear this message this morning, if this is your first time hearing this good news of Jesus Christ, if you've heard it many times before, I hope that God will be at work in our heart uh, to see this wonderful truth. And that we will respond by offering our lives to him, maybe for the first time, or maybe offering more of our lives to him, uh, committing more of ourselves to him again. Maybe as we followed him over the years, we've, we've seek, sought to take back some of those areas that we surrendered to him 
my prayer is that we will give them back to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the author of this good news. May God be at work among us this morning. May he be at work in us and may he continue to be at work through us. And to help us along the way and to, to unpack this unrestricted gospel, we're going to focus our time in a couple of ways this morning. Firstly, we're going to think about what the gospel is, uh, what is the content of the good news of Jesus Christ, why is it good news, why is it important, uh, and central to that message, if not the entirety of that message, is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, and so towards the end of our time together, the end of our service, we're going to celebrate communion together uh, as we remember his death, his resurrection, and we're going to talk about that in a little minute. So, so let's begin by seeking to answer the question, what is the gospel? Uh, and I suppose there's a couple of ways to answer that. Firstly, the, the, the word gospel, the term gospel, uh, it's mostly translated from the Greek word euangelion, essentially meaning good news or good message, good announcement. And so, so there are many things that could be considered good news. But obviously what we're thinking about today is the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a message about Jesus that is good news. Maybe you're familiar with some verses from Luke 2. We very often think about them around Christmas time. But when the angels appear to the shepherds, listen to the good news message that they deliver. Luke 2, verse 8 to 11. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news that causes great joy. It's about Jesus. He's the baby that the angel is announcing. He's born in the town of David. He is the saviour. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This is good news. And so that's one thing that we can think about when we come to answer the question, what is the gospel? Well, it is good news. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. But there's more to it than that. We need to unpack what that message is. In fact, the gospel is so deep and so profound and so life-shaping that there's so much that we could talk about today. I'm sure there'll be elements of the good news message of Jesus that we don't explore in the depth that they deserve but let me try to give an overview of the content of the gospel message that we can see in the pages of Scripture. And of course, we see the message, this good news message of Jesus throughout all of Scripture. Uh, it's, it's indeed one story from beginning to end. It is all about the good news, the salvation plan that God has through his son, Jesus Christ. And so there are many passages that we could turn to this morning, and we will reference quite a number of them. But we're going to focus on, on one passage. We're actually going to focus on just two verses. Uh, and in these verses, we see that the breadth and the wonder of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and those verses are found in 1 John chapter 4. Uh, if you have your Bible there uh, at home or where you are, I'd love to turn. I'd love you to turn with me. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the NIV. And so 1 John 4, we're just going to read two verses, verse 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son, his one and only son, into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Let's read those verses again. This is how we know, sorry, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son 
as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, in, in these great verses, so, so rich and so deep, uh, we can see some of the core pillars of the content of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. We can see at least these four things, that God loved us, that God sent Jesus to us, that God sacrificed for us, and God gives life to us. So four ways in which we can think about uh, the gospel, the content of the good news of the message of Jesus. Let's unpack them, each of these steps. Firstly, God loved us. In these verses, again, let's, let's highlight the, this is how God showed his love among us. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. What, what incredible good news that God loves us. God, the, the creator of the universe, the majestic, holy, righteous, compassionate, all-knowing, all-sovereign, omnipresent, judge of all eternity. This is God, and he loves us. We should fear him. We should marvel at his being and his presence. He's more powerful than we can imagine. He's more holy than we can bear. He's more gracious than we could long for. Um, a, a new book that we're reading with Sam at the minute describes God as the one who made everything and rules everywhere and loves everyone. This is God and this is the God who loves us. John shows us that, that he loved us first. But hang on, what did we do to deserve that, that, that kindness, that generosity? Absolutely nothing. In fact, rather than us ever being deserving of God's love, we're deserving of his wrath and his judgment. Think of Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Christ died. That's how God showed his love. Christ died when we were still sinners. We weren't deserving of grace and mercy. We don't deserve to be offered forgiveness. But God's love was greater. Consider as well these verses in Ephesians 2, 3 and 4. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the, its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. We deserve wrath, but we're offered grace. We deserve to pay the penalty for our sin, but we're offered forgiveness. But, but why? That, that doesn't seem fair. Well, we're offered grace because God loves us. This is good news. God loved us. This is good news. Secondly, let's think of how God sent Jesus to us. We can see this in these verses from 1 John 4, that God sent his one and only son into the world. God sent his son. God sent Jesus. And Jesus coming into the world was, was clearly an intentional and well-planned action of God. God had planned salvation to be made possible in this way. And in sending Jesus, he, he actively and positively interrupts human history so that the relationship that he created us to have with him could be restored. It was always his plan. And perhaps it might seem strange, of it, strange to think of it in this way, but it struck me again this week that sending Jesus was not a spontaneous decision. As we mentioned earlier, the whole Bible shows us that the course of this story, that God created the world and everything in it, that all was well, there was no sin, there was no shame, no guilt, no sickness, no fractured relationships. There was man and woman dwelling together with God in harmony and peace. 
but humanity turned from God's good rule, actively severed the relationship they were created to have with their creator. And in the Genesis account, we see how this fracture in the, the upward relationship, if you like, the relationship between humanity and God, when that relationship was fractured, then the horizontal relationships were also fractured between man and woman, between humanity. The joy-giving relationship that God created between man and woman was fractured. And so pride, selfishness, anger, bitterness, lust, greed, jealousy, they, they all find their root in the fall recorded for us in Genesis 3. And we don't have to look too hard to see the impact of those things continuing on in our world, sure we don't. In fact, if we're honest, the mirror is far enough to look before we start to see some of those things. And, and what these things are is sin seeking to live our lives under our own control, in our way, ignoring the rule and the reign of God, that, that is sin. And so sin is the great problem. Yes, there are effects of sin, of course, and we feel those in our relationships with others and, and often to devastating levels. But, but that's not the biggest problem with sin. The, the, the relationship that has been severed between God and humanity, that is the cosmic problem of sin. You see, God created humanity to enjoy closeness with him for all eternity. But the reality of sin in our lives, which is in all of our lives, means that we cannot be in the presence of the holy and spotless God. His purity, in fact, would be dangerous for us. Our sin would mean that we would be wiped out by his glorious holiness. But, but what can we do about this? The fact that we are intrinsically sinful means that we can't fix the problem of sin. We can't repair this relationship. And so we're, we're destined to pay the penalty of that sin. As Ephesians 2 puts it, we are by nature deserving of wrath. But of course, as Ephesians goes on, but God. See, see we can't deal with the problem of sin, but God. God took the initiative. God made a way. God intervened. God acted to restore that relationship. And he did so by sending Jesus into the world. The creator entered the creation to fully and finally deal with this problem of sin. And so we've seen God loves us. That is good news. God sent Jesus to us. That is good news. Thirdly, then let's think of God's sacrifice for us. In 1 John 4.10 we read that God loved us. He loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And, and now we see the, the complete solution to the problem of sin. You see, as I mentioned, sin carries a consequence in our relationship with God. That, that fracture, we read about it in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And so the penalty of our sin must be paid for. And for us to pay that ourselves means an eternity separated from God, separated from his good presence in hell. And regardless of how uncomfortable it might be for us to talk about, we must recognize the eternal torment and punishment that is the destiny for all who don't trust in Jesus. Because if we water that down, if we make that reality less than what the Bible tells us it is, then we lose our sense of urgency for the lost who we love so dearly. And we lose that sense of urgency for the world that needs to hear this rescue plan. You see, hell is real. But hell is not the only end to the story. So because of the love of God, because of his sending Jesus, and now we see the mystery that's swallowed up in this term, the atoning sacrifice. This offers another end to the story. 
See, what this atoning sacrifice means is that Jesus has paid the price. He paid the price with his own life. That price that was necessary to fulfill the debt of sin, the debt of my sin, the debt of your sin. And so Jesus, God himself, perfectly sinless, has taken the penalty of my sin and yours. His, his life was given up, as we read, in, as a ransom for many. He gave up his life to death, even death on a cross, so that we might be offered forgiveness from sin. And so when we trust in the sacrifice of Jesus, when we accept his offer of forgiveness, then his sinlessness is credited to us and our sinfulness is taken by him. And so the debt is fully played on his shoulders. And he paid the sacrifice and that's what it means for him to atone that our sin, the penalty has been fully paid and it's been paid for by him. And of course, the, the incredible reality then is, is secured by the resurrection where Jesus shows himself to be more powerful than sin and death, more powerful than the penalty, than the full wrath of God that we should have paid. If Jesus had stayed in the grave, then our sins would not have been fully and finally dealt with. We would still be carrying them. We would still owe that debt. But because he rose from the dead, we know that that's not the case. We can know freedom from sin. We can know life with God for now and with all, for all eternity. We can know reconciliation in that relationship that had been so fractured. And all of that is possible because of the sacrifice of Jesus. The atoning sacrifice that he died in my place, taking my sin upon himself. So that when I choose to trust in his wonderful offer of forgiveness, then his righteousness is credited to me. And so I can stand before God, reconciled in relationship, welcomed into an eternity with him. What a good news story this is. That God loves us. God sent Jesus to us. God sacrificed for us. And fourthly, then let's think of how God gives life to us. We'll consider this phrase in, in verse 9 of 1 John 4, which states the reason for all this good news. We see there that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That we might live through him. Jesus came to give life, full and free and eternal life. You see, the, the gospel of Jesus, the gospel is not just an historical event. It's not just a message that we share it's not just a biblical truth. It is, of course, all of those things, but it is also a welcome into life with Christ, a resurrected, eternal life with him in his presence. And, and what does that look like? What does life with Jesus look like? Well, having received such grace and love and mercy and forgiveness, we're then filled with the Holy Spirit to then live as Christ's witnesses and ambassadors where he's placed us. Think of verses like Philippians 1.27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a worthy, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. You have received such goodness, received such grace and love and mercy, then live a life worthy of that. And we see this time and time again, particularly in the New Testament letters, that our lives are transformed by the Spirit living within us because of the great gospel message we've heard and believed. See, the gospel is the motivating factor for that transform, transformed life. It's not that we try to kind of live our best selves now. No, it, it, we're not trying to earn favor with God. No way. As we've seen, we don't and we can't earn it. But because of his lavish offer of grace, then we are compelled to let our lives show that grace to others. 
We've been shown such selfless and sacrificial love that we want to show that to others. Because we've been modeled this life of obedience to God's way by Jesus, then we seek to live that life of obedience too. Uh, And so in these ways and in many, many more ways, our lives in the very present here and now are transformed by the gospel. God has come to give life. But, But not only that, of course, as we've alluded to already, the resurrection of Jesus secures for us the eternal life with him in his wondrous presence for all time to come. See, the rest of Romans 6, verse 23 reads, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Endless joy, boundless peace in the full expression of God's kingdom, where he sits enthroned, where his will is perfectly done. What a glorious inheritance we have awaiting us. We have life in him. God gives life to us. This is good news. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. God loves us. God sent Jesus to us. God sacrificed for us. God gives life to us. And what marvelous good news this is. This is the gospel. And as we're thinking about it in these days, this message of good news that causes great joy, uh, this message continues to be unrestricted. And there's a couple of aspects of that unrestricted nature of the gospel that I want to finish with thinking about. The gospel is unrestricted in its scope and it's unrestricted in its necessity. Let's unpack what I mean by those. Um, it's unrestricted in its scope. What I mean by that is that despite any, any preconceptions that we might have about the gospel, there is no one outside of the scope of its ability to change their heart. You see, perhaps you're listening to this this morning and you can see the wonder of the good news. You can appreciate the need for it. You you can maybe even recognize your sin and your need for forgiveness. You can see how Jesus has provided a way for salvation for you. But but maybe you think your sins are too many or maybe your sins are too dark. Maybe we think that, that Jesus can't wash that away with his blood. And I don't know what might be coming to your mind right now, but there's one thing I do know. That Jesus' blood can wash away all sin. Secret sin, public sin, habitual sin, one-time sin. There's nothing that is outside the scope of Jesus' forgiveness. Nothing outside the scope of this gospel of good news. And so if you're feeling like, like you're undeserving of this message, we are, we all are. That, that's the wonder of grace and mercy. But God is calling us all to repent, to ask for his forgiveness, to turn from the sin that we've been living in and therefore to run to him, to allow him to take the reins of our life and to trust in him alone for salvation and for our eternal security. There's an unrestricted scope to the gospel. And maybe as well, your heart is maybe breaking for someone that you know who you would love to come to Jesus. And you've been praying for years. You've shared the gospel with them countless times. And you're starting to feel discouraged. There is no one outside of the scope of the reach of God. Nothing can separate us from his love. And so can I encourage you to keep praying, keep sharing, keep on being the witness and the ambassador of Christ that you're called to be in that relationship. 
context, no one is outside of the scope of God's love and grace. It, it, it is not ours always to know what God is doing in someone's heart, but let's never put a limit on what we believe God can do. Just remember Second Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. There is no one outside of the scope of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so let's not limit it. Let's not limit our sharing of it because we assume that there is limits to it. The, the gospel, as we've seen all morning, uh, is such a vital message. It's the most important message anyone can ever hear. It's the most important message we can ever share. And maybe it's obvious to say, but I want to finish by recognizing that the gospel is unrestricted in its necessity. By that I mean the need for the gospel is as strong and as urgent as it has ever been. Even in a pandemic, even in lockdown, this message is still good news and we are still commissioned to share and to show it. In fact, it could well be argued that we see the need even clearer in these days as we've witnessed so much of, of what we thought was secure being questioned. So many foundations that our lives have been built on have been rocked. And perhaps people are searching for, for clarity and assurance, searching for what is really and ultimately true. And as we've seen, the gospel of Jesus Christ is truth. It is solid. It is a sure foundation. In fact, it is the only sure foundation to build our lives upon. And so we know that this gospel is unrestricted in its scope and in its necessity. So how do we share it in these days? With physical distancing, with, with working from home, educating from home, restricted public gatherings. Uh, how do we share the good news of Jesus? Well, in many ways, uh, it, it seems like there might be more barriers in sharing the gospel than we're used to. But actually, I'd like us to look at the opportunities that many of us have been given. See, some of us have more time at home than, than uh, with those that we live with than we were used to. And some of them might not know Jesus yet. Some of us have engaged with our, our immediate neighbours in, in ways that we hadn't before all this started. Some of us have rediscovered connections with relatives and friends all over the world and made online connection with them using technology that, that once seemed so foreign but is now second nature. And so connections have been made. And these are all opportunities that we find ourselves with. So how are we going to use them to share the good news of Jesus? Well, as you've heard me say many times, we've referenced it again this morning, we share the gospel with our words and we show the gospel with our lives. We share and we show. And so we share this good news by telling people about Jesus, the, the truth that we see in scripture. And some of us find this very natural. Others find it quite daunting. Um, maybe we feel that we're not well equipped, that we don't know what we would say. Maybe we don't feel theological enough or we don't feel well trained. Maybe we'd be stumped by some questions that might come our way. But I, I can totally understand that mindset. But please don't let that fear cripple us into inactivity. When, when it comes to sharing, share what you know. Share what you know about Jesus. Share what you have a reading in his word. Share how you've seen God work and answer your prayer. Share what he is doing in your life. Share what you know. If you get questions, then try to find answers to continue that dialogue with people. But don't let the devil get a foothold by making you feel inferior. Don't let him silence you by fear. See, we are empowered by the Spirit of God who equips us for all we need. 
Remember, God is the one who brings power and transformation to someone's life. It, it, it's not us. It, it's not, we don't save people by our, our clever thoughts or, or our wise arguments. It's God by his truth, by his word, by his limitless grace. And so he has placed us in scenarios to share what we know of him, share his glorious good news. So we share the gospel with our words and we show it with our lives. Um, by, by allowing the spirit to transform our hearts, our lives will be impacted. And so we'll see the, the fruit of his work in our life. We'll see uh, uh, the, the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Uh, and as we live in a manner worthy of the gospel, we may be given the opportunity then to, to give a reason for the hope that we have. I was going to spend some time this morning looking at the encounter with Zacchaeus had with Jesus. It's in Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. Um, We don't have time to do that now, but I would strongly encourage you to do that either now, when the service finishes, sometime this afternoon or this evening, to look at that story. Consider how Zacchaeus' life was transformed by salvation coming to his house. Consider how that encounter demonstrates so wonderfully that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. The, the gospel is unrestricted. It's unrestricted in its scope. It's unrestricted in its necessity. And so somehow, in any way, in these days, let's continue to share and show this good news message. The gospel of Jesus is, is simple, yet it's profound. The, the wonderful message that, that God loves us, God sent Jesus to us, God sacrificed for us, God gives life to us. What good news this is. And as we consider how we're to follow Jesus in these restricted days and well beyond, let's remember that the good news of Jesus Christ is unrestricted in its scope, in its necessity. And so let's continue to share and to show the love of God, the truth of his gospel, all for his glory. That those who he has chosen would come to know him, would give their lives to him, and that his kingdom would be extended in our midst. Let's pray this morning as we finish our time in his word. Father, we thank you for the glorious good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that you sent Jesus. Because of your love, you sent Jesus to die on the cross of Calvary to take the penalty of the sin that is mine. Lord, that, that you may offer forgiveness, that you may offer righteousness, even though I'm so unworthy, yet by your grace you offer. And now, Father, having accepted that wonderful, joyous offer of forgiveness, Father, I stand reconciled with you. And Lord, now you empower me by your spirit to live a life that honours and glorifies and points others to you. Father, there's such mystery in the gospel. There's so much that, that, we, that we struggle to get our heads around, yet we are so grateful for it. Father, we thank you for the joy of our salvation. And so, God, I pray for those of us who are following you, God, would you restore to us that joy? Would you send us out, Father, into whatever sphere you've put us in to share and to show your wonderful good news? Father, for those of us who maybe haven't responded to that good news message before your offer of forgiveness and salvation, Father, would you help us? Would we lay our hearts before you? 
Would we confess those sins that we know are in our heart? Would we plead with you for your forgiveness? Thank you, Father. Your word teaches us that that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and you will forgive. And so, Father, I pray that for those who, who are pleading for your forgiveness now, maybe for the very first time, Lord, would you grant salvation? Would, would salvation spring up from the ground? And therefore, would there be a joyful outpouring in this wonder of joy and grace and mercy that has been shown? Father, may you equip us for the life that you've called us to as we seek to follow you faithfully. And God, there, there are many of us who, who are burdened by folk who, who don't know you yet. And Lord, we long for salvation. And we pray for boldness in our hearts as we engage with them, interact with them, try to share and show your good news with them. Bring salvation, we pray. Thank you that you long for all to come to repentance. And so, Father, I ask uh, that we, even we as a church family, uh, would know the joy of seeing, uh, seeing folk coming to you, seeing salvation, seeing new birth, seeing restoration and relationship with you. May we know and experience and delight in the wonderful uh, joy that that would bring. Father, we recognize that your gospel is for your glory and you do all of this and you have saved all of us and you are still saving folk all over your world to bring glory to your name. And so it is for that glory and in this saving, wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for for being with us uh, through this time in God's word. If you have responded to Jesus for the first time, please let us know. We would love uh, to celebrate that with you and to help you as you begin your journey of faith. So just get in touch uh, with anyone, maybe someone who invited you to join us this morning uh, or or someone uh, who you know who attends here. Or maybe if you're living further afield, uh, we can try to point you to a local gospel believing church uh, where you are. Uh, So please do get in touch with all of that.